Hello and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 21. I'm back in the host seat and for the first time, I'm joined by Martino. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Yeah. So uh, I get a double dose of uh, both hosts on the show. Last week was Matt. Now I got you. So it's definitely been uh, exciting and a lot of fun so far. Nice bit of rotation. It's kind of like when Man City had Negredo, Dzeko, uh, Aguero and Balotelli and they just had to play like, you know, 75% of the games each. Yeah. Hey, man. I mean, that's that's a nice compliment that you're paying <laughs> us. So I'll, t- I'll take that any day of the week. Um, Martino, where could people find us on Twitter at the State of Play? Well, State of Play on Twitter, just at State of Play Pod um, on there. Definitely go and check out the giveaway that we got going. Um, how many days left? There's, it's not many days left for everybody to enter. Um, yeah, wow, eleven days left. Um, just submit a review of the podcast, screenshot it, follow us on Twitter. I mean, I honestly, I don't know why. There haven't been more people signing up for this thing because, you know, I was thinking, I was like, what are the odds if, like, the producer just joins in? Is it that big of a deal? Or if you got, like, your second cousin to do it or something like that. No, seriously. I mean, the gear is just great. Um, Shout out to the North Curve for all that, too. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. Um, And then uh, where else? Uh, Yeah, just follow us on there. You can subscribe to us. We are on Spotify, iTunes. I think you know the other platforms. I'm drawing a blank on them right now. That we have podcast. <laughs> Overcast, Pocket Cast, basically any podcast app, we're up there. And if you're struggling, there's some people who use like really niche ones. Just hit us up for the RSS feed. You can you can grab that and plug it in. But we're, we're not alone today, Martino. Um, we have a very special guest today, and uh, we're joined by Roberto Rojas, uh, BN Sports journalist. How are you doing, man? Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, and you know I've been a big fan of what you guys have been doing. Obviously, it's unfortunate that Matt's not in this conversation because I'm a really good friend of him, and he's been really great uh, to listen to as well as both of you guys. So it's it's been awesome, and I can't wait to to finally be here and to discuss everything that's going on in the world of football. Awesome, man! Thank you very much for joining us. Why don't you tell the listeners a bit more about yourself and a bit more about your background before we get stuck in? Yeah, definitely. So as you'd mentioned in the introduction, I am a social digital journalist i think we could say that i think that's the appropriate title uh for being in sports uh i'm doing uh, freelance there while also just you know fun working as just a general sports journalist i've been doing this for about five years or so uh i also have my own podcast called little bit football which i do with joe ucello every monday we've been going strong for almost five years and it's kind of similar to what you guys are doing you know talking about the world of football in a short amount of time uh, try to get everything that's going on in the world, uh, having a guest to, to speak about it as well. And, and for me, it's been something that I think has opened doors and avenues for me to to put my foot in the door of, of this industry that is, you know, obviously big and, you know, knows so much people that I tried to do that kind of thing. And I've been doing this for now five years, you know, working for, uh, writing for a sports website as well called Favel. Uh, writing about football and and all that so yeah it's been quite an an interesting last five years for me you know also using my twitter account to the extent to just kind of demonstrate the what i like to talk about obviously you know european football is something that you know i enjoyed uh, watching but obviously you know being a paraguayan descent you know i obviously have my strong ties to paraguay uh, obviously, being in the, in the United States as well, being American, I have my strong ties as well with MLS and the United States national team. But in general, it's mainly South American so, uh, football, 
and all across the world. I mean, that's just something that I like to do, and it's. I hope that it could open much more opportunities here in the future. Yeah, well, I hope that that insight is going to be great on the podcast, and I'm sure it will. Final question, probably the most important one. Have you entered our giveaway yet? I have, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, no pressure, by the way. There was no pressure. You know, Matt just happened to DM. He's like, hey, maybe you should do this. You should join this giveaway. I was like, all right, let's do it. Might as well. And yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome what you guys do. And I hope I can win one of those uh, <laughs> gifts. It'd be nice. Well, let's see. Let's see. We can't be too biased. Let's. It's going to be totally random. But at this point, it might only be between like, you know, eight people and maybe martino's second cousin um, so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> there's a chance there's a chance um okay cool we're gonna start off by talking a bit about the premier league because i just the reason i was slightly late guys is because i watched arsenal lose one nil to sheffield united who uh i'm not saying this is good from arsenal but they have actually got the best defense in the league sheffield united really weird they they have like center backs that do overlaps and stuff it's some of the weirdest stuff i've ever seen in my life but uh we'll, we'll start by kind of having a look at the liverpool united game uh martina what did you make of this i don't know if you watched it but it was a super interesting battle one one in the end united i thought were gonna actually nick it in the end but uh yeah a, a late adam lalana goal meant that uh liverpool came away with a point I don't know, and I was thinking about this, if this was a better result for United or a worse result for Liverpool. You know, like, it's so bad that, you know, like, there's there's always this thing about Liverpool and how they haven't really had much success at Old Trafford in, in years, right? And then, um, you know, the whole winning, not winning the title in the league, and then United's just, this is the worst United we've probably seen in our lives, right? Uh we're all in our we're all in our mid twenties, and I think we could all safely say like oh, yeah. they're absolutely horrendous. And this is one of the better Liverpool sides that we have seen in our lives. And the fact that United were ahead in this game, mind you, that right, and you were saying it yourself, like they had the opportunity to take these three points until the Lalana goal. I mean, look, I mean, it's a good result for United because they're going to have to take everything they can get this season. Yeah, I don't know. I think the way or how badly Liverpool played, I haven't seen them play that badly. I haven't really seen them play well this season, which is kind of testament to them being uh, eight wins and a draw now, which I don't, it's pretty ridiculous considering they haven't been as good. Even Champions League as well, right? Even if we're not strictly talking Premier League. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, they lost to they lost to Napoli in, in not great uh showing and I think that that they don't look as good but maybe there's just something about them in the Premier League that they were so close last season they they broke loads of records they're now I think it's like 46 unbeaten in the Premier League in a row games in a row which is absolutely ridiculous um Roberto I don't know if you watched this game and I'd love to hear your thoughts as well yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, watching this game, I initially said, you know, before the start of the game that the gulf of talent between both these two teams is incredible, you know. You know historically, and obviously, as you did mention, uh, Martino, that, you know, in our age group, we tend to always been used to seeing Man- Manchester United being that dominant side, uh, always one-upping everyone else in England, where now it's the complete reverse, where, you know, they're a shell of what they have been in the past, and well, it's just been this dominant side, but... Yeah, I think this matchup was really um, a positive one for Manchester United, you know, just to get that bit of confidence, you know, after losing to Newcastle 
uh, in their last game and you know obviously not looking as good uh, in, in various domestic competitions and obviously in, in Europa League as well. I mean, this is something of a of a morale booster. I mean, it's probably not the best one, but you know, it, it, it's something. I think there is still that fear of how this team might fare out in later games. I mean, yes, we're nine games into a thirty-eight games game season. Yet we're already seeing people on Twitter already exclaiming uh, the possibility of this team getting relegated. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I just don't. <laughs> I just don't see this team with these type of players getting relegated. But hey, never say never. So yeah, I, I think this result really meant more for for Manchester United than it did for Liverpool. And you know, like you said, this really you, you look at the first nine games that they played. You know, eight, as you said, eight wins and one draw. It's not as convincing as what we've seen in in previous games. I mean, yes. They still kept the majority, if not all, of the players that they have uh, at their disposal. But then you look at maybe in this lineup, you know, the fact that they didn't have uh, Mohamed Salah on the team, and you know, Alison Becker was just coming back from from injury. You know, was it as strong as it people thought it would be? Who knows? But I think now what we see is hopefully, obviously, with the Man City result that we saw as well over the weekend, that maybe this race is really. Not just busted wide open, but you know there's there's some opening, and you know six a six point gap is still uh, close in a way. Yes. But I think now you're starting to see people realize that maybe this Liverpool side is is a bit you know has its flaws as we saw last season, and maybe the City side isn't as bad as people think it is. <laughs> yeah, I think Man City played no centre backs the other day, which was pretty interesting and one. 2-0 really comfortably. I guess Liverpool and City still have to play each other twice throughout the season, which is obviously going to be quite interesting. But Liverpool didn't really make any additions this summer. And the players that have come back from injury, the likes of Naby Keita, the likes of Joe Gomez, the likes of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, haven't really hit the ground running, have they yet, Martino? No, and I was kind of surprised by that, to be honest. Uh, more so with Oxlade-Chamberlain, because I... I I think that it was enough time away from his recovery, from his injury. He had enough time in the offseason as well to just, you know, hit the ground running, as, as you were alluding to. And it just hasn't seen that. And again, with Naby Keita as well, because that's another big money move that Liverpool have made. Um, and, and again, it's just kind of odd to not see them flourishing, because it seems as if almost everyone else that they plug in, it flourishes almost immediately or after a few matches or so. So, I mean... Yeah, I like I am I am kind of surprised, but at the end of the day, when you look at it, Liverpool still have 25 points from 9 games, and that's kind of all you could ask for, right? Without those guys like playing well. So I, you know, I I think they got to be happy where where they're at. They they most certainly are, I would imagine. I think Klopp would be he'd bit your hand off if you were offered this to him at the start of the season. Uh, Roberto, any other thoughts there on on Liverpool or United? No, I mean, I think what we're seeing here is possibly, as I said, I think it's a big gulf of talent between both these two teams. But generally speaking, um, you know, I think we're starting to see a bit of those flaws. And, you know, like you said, you look at some of the games that they've played so far, even before the United game, you know, a 2-1 win to Leicester, a 4-3 win over Salzburg, you know, a a, a near 1-0 win over Sheffield United, you know, even even comparing the Napoli game, you know, a 2-1 win to... To Chelsea, you know, these aren't games where, you know, Liverpool are just like flourishing tremendously and winning hands down. I think now we start to see some of these flaws and, you know, obviously as big of a game as Manchester United is against Liverpool anyway, that's going to be always tight, even if there is that goal for difference. But, 
you know, now you look at some of the games that they have coming up next. You know, obviously they have the Champions League, and obviously they still have to play Spurs next weekend. And we might see something. I don't know. I, I don't expect uh, maybe this type of non-convincing wins. I mean, you know, like like Martino said, you know, they're still six points clear of uh, Manchester City. They're still in perfect position, even though they still have to play each other. So... I think now we just need to start worrying about what's going to happen with Manchester United and the direction that they're going in. Because, you know, only two points from the relegation zone, that is not something that the club wants to be in uh, nine games into the into the season. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting season for both of these guys. I think United, whether or not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer persists, what they do in January, there's already transfer murmurs of them maybe going after James Madison there's already the Sancho rumors so it's going to be I don't even know if you can call it interesting to see what happens with Man United I think it's more curious the Paul Pogba situation as well it's it's going to be a long season for Man U and whether or not they kind of commit to this Ole Gunnar Solskjaer project remains to be seen but a team that are clicking and are doing quite well Leicester City winning 2-1 at home to Burnley again powering on. They look kind of good in the under the helm from uh, Brendan Rodgers. Martino, have you watched Leicester at all this season? I I've only caught glimpses of them, but they they got this feel not to the team that won the title, right? Because I mean that that's just obviously once in a lifetime kind of thing to happen. But they have this feel to me that I think they're going to make Champions League. Just, just strictly off the way like they're playing, they have these guys that are still on the team that won that title, and they kind of understand what it takes. And I think they smell blood in the water, right? Because all these other top teams that were so used to competing in the Champions League spots like Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, you know, they're kind of in these weird transitional phases now where Chelsea is, obviously isn't allowed to transfer in players. Spurs are just an absolute disaster um we don't know how much longer Embry's gonna be at Arsenal right I'm sure you want him out today um (laughs) but at the same time I I just think they have what it takes and and look I I don't know it's just something about Leicester that they're just able to get results right It, it doesn't matter I mean I think they also gave Liverpool a really great game um last time they went out and faced them um, look, Southampton is the next one that they got this month, and then it's Crystal Palace, Arsenal, and Brighton. I mean, these are all very winnable games. I think, obviously, Arsenal is going to be the more tough one out of them all, but they're setting themselves up real well heading into December. They really do look good, and, yeah, that kind of ominous feel around the team, the the blood in the water, they do kind of look like sharks out there in the Premier League at the moment. Roberto, have you watched them at all? I have, yeah. And one thing I will say is, um, to what Martino said, you know, they do have that potential. And, you know, obviously with a manager like Brendan Rodgers, you know, they're bringing in that experience of uh, managing, you know, in the Premier League and obviously managing a side like Liverpool in the past. You know, he brings that kind of man management. And, you know, as you know, as respected as he is among everyone in England, I mean, there is that kind of respect as you see in Leicester. But, yeah, there is a different sight, I think, in comparison to what we saw from that magical team that I, I don't think will ever be repeated in that similar sense. I think with Leicester, it's a different case. Um, what I will say is that I just feel that maybe they just need to wait until they get the big games. And, you know, obviously they did play the top six already, uh, three of them, if I'm not mistaken, four of them, if I'm not mistaken, you know, uh, Chelsea, I think it was in a draw, lost to Manchester United, they beat Spurs, mm. and they did lose to Liverpool. So... 
they still have that kind of light schedule, if you would say. I don't want to say that in that sense, but you know, I think that once they start to really face the more stronger teams in, in what really is more in the in the important part of the of the season, which is you know usually after Christmas and into the new year. I think if they're a, if they're still in a situation where they are right now, still fighting for those Champions League spots, then yeah, we really are looking at a contender that is fighting for Europe. And you know, I think I said it, I think in a tweet before the start of the season that this Leicester side with the players that they have, you know, you see Jamie Vardy on great form as well, but you look at the likes of um, um, Yuri Telemans and Wilfred Ndidi. I mean, they look very good as well. And, uh, and you top that off with a, with a good manager like Brendan Rodgers, you know, this is a side that could indeed fight for Europe. I mean, when you look at teams that are really sputtering like Spurs and Manchester United and, and other teams that are really losing pace as well, you know, Leicester can come in and, and, and go in for the kill and take advantage of those spots, whereas teams like United and Spurs aren't. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to them. I, I think they really have a, a good opportunity to fight for those European spots. As long as they're able to fight uh, and, and try to surpass those big, bigger teams uh, in the later half of the season, then they really have a good shot. Yeah, I think Brendan Rodgers has done an amazing job so far. And I think that the pressure wasn't actually too much on Leicester. I think if you kind of get what I mean, Wolves, um, Everton spent a lot of money again, of course, and West Ham were all dubbed uh, teams that could kind of break that top six up. Leicester were all also in that and they were a lot of people's favourites but I think because they weren't the only one they were part of a pack it kind of lowers that expectation and that barrier slightly and I think that with United doing so badly with Chelsea in this transition mode with Spurs doing so terribly and I guess I'm trying to use an adjective for Arsenal because they're not quite <laughs> as bad as United and Spurs at the moment but they're still pretty awful it's Leicester's time to pounce mediocre yeah mediocre. there we go that's a good one Martino uh, mediocre <laughs> Roberto got that one. Uh, I was Roberto um, yeah it was me. <laughs> sorry we have similar American accents. Two American accents. As, sorry, I think we're man. from the yeah, same area, so I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. You sound. Yeah, just like, there you like, go. I'm gonna have to. You guys are gonna have to say Roberto or Martina when everyone's <laughs> speaking. <laughs> but yeah, I think Leicester could definitely make that top six. I wasn't too convinced about top four at the beginning of the season. I think they'll still struggle for that, but top six is looking like a possibility. Um, we'll move on to League R now. We don't usually speak about that too much. And I know, Roberto, you told me that this is probably the league in the, in Europe that you know least about. But I just had to highlight what I thought was an absolutely ridiculous mm. goal by Angel Di Maria. I don't know if you saw this one, Mardino. Oh, I saw, I, that, yeah. No, this was, <laughs> this was classic Di Maria where you're just reminded on how great of a player he is. You know, I just, I, I gloss over the Manchester United spell, right? Because at this point, when you look back at it, it's like, not many guys do well there these days anyways but that this was stupid i mean i i if you if you haven't seen it you got it you got to go check it out cuz that was easily i don't know about goal of the year but that's goal of the month for sure it, it for october in my opinion i it was i think it's the best goal i've seen this season honestly i'm i'm trying to not overhype it but damn it was like outside of the foot first time kind of on the half volley chip from that ridiculous angle like come mm. on man ridiculous mm. and roberto, so the far corner too yeah like right in the there was no chance anyone could have stopped it you saw this one right roberto yeah i did see it i mean i, I think like what martino said as well I, I think we know the talent that that Di maria has you know we saw what he was able to compete do at real madrid and you know even at psg as well he's kind of been refinding that form that unfortunately 
people wanted to you know talk bad about when he was at Manchester United, but I, I think he's been one of the more important players for for PSG in the season. Him and um and obviously with Neymar returning, I think with those two players, you know PSG are really really fighting it off here in this in this league race that you know isn't actually as as uh, decisive as it was in the past. I mean, yeah, it's been 10 games in and there is a, a five-point gap. But, you know, they have already lost twice uh, this season and, you know, you have other teams already creeping up. So let's let's hope that we are in for a, for a different uh, season in Liga because, you know, obviously <laughs> we always don't want to see PSG win. <laughs> I mean, having a... I mean, <laughs> we kind of see that in, in a lot of these leagues, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But I think if we're in for a good race like we see in, in I think, in Italy or even in, in Germany, we're going to talk about later... I think that this season will be a really good one to see in France. I mean, who's going to challenge them, though? I mean... No one, if we're exactly. being real. Yeah. <laughs> Leo, Leo. yeah, that's the thing. I think we're just waiting for them to just slip up, and then whoever just comes in just takes the advantage. I, but, uh, I think Leon had a chance this season with their squad to like come close, maybe within 10 points, but they, they obviously started really badly with Silvino, sacked their manager. Doesn't look like it's going too well for them at the moment, Drew... Uh, the other Cause, day, because because all the teams, the clubs with talented players, like they get shipped out. I mean, like what happened? Like Lillier got purged, man. You know, mm. like they have all these great young talented players that I think a lot of other leagues are starting to recognize, right? Because um, you saw you saw what Arsenal did with Pepe; they dropped a ton of money for him, and, and you know they're kind of trusting within the talent in there. But I don't think there's other big clubs in Ligue that are just able to scoop these guys and prevent them from going to, like, you know, Serie A, La Liga, or, or the Premier League. I think that's kind of where they're having the issues. Because even when Monaco had the great team, too, where did they all go? They went to PSG or Man City or to all these other places, mm. you know? They, they don't stay within the league. I think that's their issue. They either, It's kind of like in, I mean, less so now, but like five years ago when you would either go to Bayern Munich or you'd go to another <laughs> European club. Now yeah, in Liga, right. it's like you either go to PSG or you go to another big European club. Uh, Roberto, do you see this changing in the next five years? Mm, probably not. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's tough, man. I mean, with, with that financial advantage that PSG has among all the other teams. Who's stopping them? Nobody. I mean, yeah, we did see that with Monaco and 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 that one season, but you know, I think that was just a one-time thing. But with PSG just becoming much more stronger and having more money than than whatever, it's yeah. I, I don't I don't know how anyone's going to really challenge them unless they themselves mess up in the domestic league. They'd either have to capitulate, their investors would have to go, Neymar and Mbappe going at the same time, but I mean, even this season, without Neymar and without Mbappe, they've they fared pretty comfortably. I mean, they even beat Real Madrid 3-0 without Neymar or Mbappe, so it's like... It's tough, right? It re- as you said, it's really tough for anyone to kind of get past them. But I mentioned the Bundesliga earlier, and maybe this season is going to be more competitive in the Bundesliga because between 1st and 12th, there is only seven points separating all those teams. Martina, I don't know how much of the Bundesliga you watch. And I mean, I've got to be honest, I haven't watched too much this season, a few games here and there. It's really, really weirdly tight, and Bayern Munich don't really look like themselves. You know, I, I watch a bit of Dortmund because I'm always, I'm always fans of them, and I'm fans of a lot of clubs that kind of get purged in a sense. You know, there's so much turnover within them. You know, they say, they get rid of the Pulisic, and, and I mean, like, I mean, look at it over the years. Like, you were just alluding to, you know, Bayern taking all of their top guys. 
but you know the return of Hummels, getting Royce healthy, Jordan Sancho. I mean that guy is just a be uh, a beast. Um, that that Champions League match where they were against Salvia Prague. I mean it didn't end in a ton of goals, but they could have had at least five against them. Um, you know I I just think I think it's great for the league that Munich is struggling. You know <laughs> that Bayern's struggling like this, and it's not it's not to say like you want your biggest club to struggle. But it's better for the parity of the league, right? Because that's why a lot of people over here in America, and I'm sure you would know it too, Roberto, they don't pay attention to a league. Like, why am I going to pay attention to this league? Because it's just Bayern's going to win it every year, right? And I think it's important for them to have a season like this. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, um, obviously, they were absolutely devastating when they came to London and beat Spurs 7-2, which, obviously, I was very happy about. But <laughs> it, it's been strange. They lost to, I think it was Hertha Berlin at home, 2-1, the week after they beat Spurs 7-2. And now they've just gone and oh, drawn... Oh, it was uh, Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim, sorry. Yeah, my mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always get those two mixed up for some reason. And then, uh, <laughs> and then they went and drew uh, recently 2-2. So it's, it's not... Uh, in, in this previous game week so it's not really that cut and dry for them being champions this season Roberto any thoughts no I mean I think what you're really seeing here is is kind of a, a really good race I think when you look at teams like Mochen Gladbach and Wolfsburg just coming in and you know as you mentioned Martino a Dortmund side that you know are becoming much more refreshed uh, with the players like Sancho Royce Hummels all those other players coming up even with the new likes of uh, Torgan Hazard as well you're really starting to see some of a, of, a, of a really a big race here, and this is not to mention either Leipzig with the, with the likes of Tino Werner up front. We're really seeing a, an interesting race in here in the Bundesliga, and I think you know, like you said, I think what really attracts <clears throat> you know you can you and I could speak obviously of being able to get this coverage of all the the matches and of all these different leagues around the world. I mean, it's so hard to pinpoint all the ones and, and to watch it all at once, but just. What you're seeing here in Germany, I think, is hopefully, obviously still a long season as we, as we know, we're starting to see a, a kind of a change that might indeed get some more interest. I mean, obviously, you know, yes, the stereotype is that Bayern is, always wins the, the league and, and they end up uh, obviously making this non-competitive. But, you know, with teams like Dortmund, Wolfsburg, Mönchengladbach, Leipzig, even Freiburg to an extent, you know, coming up and, and trying to push them all the way, I think we're in for a good race so far. I think what we see here in the Bundesliga is probably a bit different than what we see in other leagues, just because of this competitiveness. And I feel that it, it will it will continue. I think it will continue. I think we still have a lot of great games to come up uh, before the end of the year. And and here's hoping that we do see some of a, a really a similar race. Uh, heading into the later part of the season. Yeah, I think with Leipzig coming through as well, you've got Leverkusen, who obviously lost a couple of players in the summer. Um, It was interesting to me over the summer that a player like Julian Brandt, who, let's rewind if this was in the same situation three years ago, I'm not really sure if he goes to Dortmund, maybe he goes to Bayern Munich. Same with uh, Karen Demirbay, right? Hoffenheim, one of Hoffenheim's best players last season goes to Bayer Leverkusen doesn't go to Bayern so it's I think there's an interesting like there are some players maybe they've looked at the likes of you know Roda in the past where they've gone to Bayern Munich and not done amazingly do you know what I mean maybe some pl- players are looking at these guys careers that have stalled after going to Bayern Munich and thinking let me let me take that one step up rather than the two 
Roberto, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's. Uh, I think that's what we really see, and it's kind of an avenue. I mean, when you look at Bayern Munich and the depth that they have, I think when you look at a lot of the players that they brought in as well, the fact that you know those players are not getting their opportunities, and they realize just how competitive that is. Yes, it is Bayern, and that brings a lot of uh, attention to it. Um, but you also have to look at other teams that are doing well with their youth. You know, Dortmund and Leipzig being one, from example, much in Gladbach as well. You know, they look at that and they look at these opportunities and they say, hey, why can't we do something about this and, and, and compete at the highest level to, you know, fight for this for this title that, you know, hasn't been won by a team not called Bayern Munich in seven years. So it, it really has been kind of a of a change that we've seen. And we saw that even last season. You know, we even saw with those te- with that battle for um for the Bundesliga happening in the last day. I, I think what I think that just serves as a reminder of what we could see this season. Um, and, and and that's great because that shows just how competitive the league has been having to be so far uh, over the last few seasons. It'd be a uh, welcome welcome sight, wouldn't it? Uh, have to move us on to the Serie A, and this is where we'll let Martino let loose. Couple crazy games this past game week, Martino. I'll let you start with uh, Lazio three, Atalanta three. After Atalanta blew a three nil lead without their talisman Zapata. Yeah, this was absolutely bizarre to me. I <laughs> this was this was uh, at the Olimpico, so Lazio was at home here. Um, it was for me. I was really interested to see how Atalanta would do without Duvan Zapata, right? Because that that guy is besides Papu Gomez is the main reason as to why they were making the Champions League last year. They just turned a corner in in. Um, I believe it was December, and they just rattled off multiple goal games, like three to four goals, like nonstop. And Zapata was competing for the Capo Cananieri Award. Um, he was really giving Cristiano worth for all his money, Qualiarella. I mean, so so it was interesting to see what would happen because they replaced, uh, they got a backup in Luis Muriel, who who was a guy that has had familiarity in the league. They had him at Udinese. Um, there were some injury issues that he had. He came back to Fiorentina where he did pretty well. Um, considering that situation over there before new ownership was an absolute disaster where they didn't win a game their last 10 to 12 match days. So, I mean, to have him go in there, like, score the way they did. But, again, as a Milan fan, you can't blow a 3 nothing lead, right? Like, you know the horrors of it and, and how inexcusable it is. Um and also great for Lazio, right? I mean, to to have the mental, you know, fortitude to stay in a match like that against an opponent that you know is is clearly better than you, but to stay in, not get, you know, affected by the fact that their best striker isn't in the match and you're still down 3 nothing. the fact that they climbed back into the match, got the 3-3 draw, I think it was a fantastic win for them and, you know, Immobile, man, I, I don't get why he can't just do this for Italy. It's it, it really mind-boggling to see the player he is at Lazio compared to the national team. Yeah, I think this was one of those games where it just kind of FIFA-esque stuff happened. Like, three <laughs> after they got the goal back at 3-1, they Smash scored literally immediately to go 3-2 down. And yeah, that, that would be a controller smash uh, at that point. Roberto, did you watch this one? I did. I, I saw that, and and like you said, you know, you're looking at also two teams that are really fighting for this, uh, the Serie A title. I think with Lazio, as you said, this really is a, a team that 
has really uh, kind of been different in a way. I mean, when you look at the likes of Chiori Mobile that has been doing very well uh, for Lazio, like you said, Martino, it's just a bit frustrating how he can't do that for the national team. But uh, with this Atalanta side that you now need to realize that this kind of really feels like more of a confidence booster now heading into their Champions League. You know, because many people had already made the argument that, you know, with the side that they were able to possess and in the way that they played with Zapata and Pablo Gomez, that they could do something in the Champions League. You know, it's obviously not been to a to a fine start, you know, losing the first two games and now having to face Manchester City uh, in the Champions League. I think what we see here is, is kind of a never-give-up attitude by them. And hopefully that that would be demonstrated in, in the Champions League as well as in the league. You know, they're still in third place. They're still being ahead of teams like Napoli, Roma, Lazio, Milan, Torino, other teams like that. You know, they're still fighting for, for that top spot. That Yeah, I, I think being contenders for that Scudetto is a bit far-fetched, but they can definitely have the, the, the attention and perhaps the talent to make it up to those Champions League spots. I mean, when you're looking at really uh, a great manners like Gasperini is doing for this team, they really have been able to show their, their consistency uh, over the last few years, and it's been great to see, and it's been demonstrated otherwise. Yeah, I think it's, you know, when, when you come from 3-0 down, it's no mean feat. They were absolutely horrendous in that game. Atalanta were phenomenal <laughs> in the first 60 minutes. But it, it it was just, it showed Atalanta's limitations. It kind of reminded me of watching kind of between 06 to 012 Arsene Wenger, where amazing football, scored a ton of goals, but... Mm defensively shocking giving away stupid penalties and just yeah generally not not at it from a defensive standpoint yeah yeah i mean this is this is that's the biggest question mark heading in to the season on top of death for atalanta right because they sold gianluca mancini who is arguably they're probably their best defender that they had last season so you sell him off to roma you don't. They didn't add too many players, right? Because Muriel was the main guy that they had, and it was the same thing. I don't know if either of you guys caught the Shakhtar game in the Champions League, but they were dominating that match for a large portion of it, and it was just these this collapse at the end of it where they give up this goal in stoppage time to drop their points, and now and now you have to face City in the back to back of the group, right? So, I mean, it's really interesting to see what they're going to do because they also have Napoli, mind you, um, this month as well. So, I mean, I, I think this could come back to haunt them considering the three-goal lead that they had. Um, but as of right now, they're better positioned than they were um, this many games through last season because they were around hovering around 13th in the table before they started going on the run that they had. Yeah, I think it's... Mancini is a is a big loss. Obviously, we saw Maria was as a big gain, but you've you've got to sort out what is needed in improving. It's a very again Arsenal thing to do <laughs> when you <laughs> when you've got a good attack and then you buy a seventy pound, million pound winger. That's not exactly what they did, but you've got Divan Zapata there. You've got Alejandro Gomez. You've got Ilicic. Like there's player there's there's additions that you need to make and there's ones that are nice to make and i think muriel felt like a nice to make one i uh, think the, i think yeah i think it was on, the champion sorry about that it, i think it was more of like the champions league you know yeah. handling all these like games and fixtures that they're gonna have to have on their hands but yeah i i mean you're 100 percent right sorry about that though 
No, no worries. Uh, I was just going to go on then and mention the probably, I don't know if this is more exciting or less exciting, Swasolo against uh, Inter, 3-4 win to Inter Milan, another ridiculous game. But uh, a few stand-up performance this one, none of them defenders. Uh, Berardi, Lautaro, Martinez and uh, Lukaku, all pretty good. Um, Roberto, did you catch this one? Yeah, yeah, I did. And and really, it, it's kind of, and I think Martino will definitely know about this, it's kind of that Pasa Inter, the crazy Inter that we're seeing, uh, that we've been so accustomed to see. But yeah, this side really looks very, very different. I mean, obviously, you know, this game just became as dramatic as it could be. But I think looking at this Inter side, you know, it was... It was sad to see them not beat uh, Juventus over there and really would have been a, an important game that could have probably decided the league, at least for, for the short term. This this really, this interstate looks very talented. I think when you have a really a, an important manager like Antonio Conte that is demonstrating his his capability as a manager and we, we saw what he was able to do at Juventus with uh, the Italian national team, with Chelsea. I think he's doing this with Inter, really buying off a lot of uh, important players and, and really getting rid of that deadwood that, that has really haunted uh, Inter for so long. And obviously with players like Icardi gone and you're looking at Lukaku coming in and, and being a, an effective player, uh, we know he's always been accustomed to, but we have him, Lautaro, Martinez, you know, we have players like uh, Barella, Brozovic, you know, they've all been great. Skriniar, De, uh, De Vrijk, all the way in the defense. And Danovic is the goalkeeper, really. This Inter side really is very talented, and I think that they could really, really fight for this, this Serie A side. And similar to what we're seeing, I think, in the Bundesliga. I think, yes, maybe the gap isn't as tight as it is among other teams, but you know, with that Inter side, they really have that chance to, to really fight for this Scudetto because I just don't see anyone else besides them and Juventus fighting for it. I mean, I think what we've seen in the first eight games is that there have been only two teams that have really uh, been far apart of everyone else. I think they've built a team to win, haven't they? They've they've mm. done that. It's almost Mourinho when he came to Chelsea for the second time where he bought a player in each position and just kind of revitalised the squad. You've got Godin, Sensi and Lukaku that have all come in and that spine and they do look kind of built to win, don't they, Martino? I mean, yeah. I mean, this is this is an important team for modern football, in my opinion. As much as I hate Inter, you know... It, it's well documented, whatever. But you have to tip it. You have to tip your cap to them because look at what they've been able to do. This is a club that doesn't own their own stadium, right? I mean, it's an mm-hmm. ongoing issue. Um, they had all these financial fair play issues. They were a giant club that was, you know, dormant, right? They didn't. They were going through a coaching carousel. They had all these players that you weren't sure that they deserved to wear that shirt, right? Because this is a prideful club. This is one of the more recognizable clubs in the world. But, you know, they slowly build it up. They make smart purchases, the screen yards, the defries of the world on a Bosman transfer. And then you slowly, you know, built with younger talent. You hire a Conte. Um, you get the big purchase with Lukaku, right? Because we all know how it goes if you don't get Conte as guy. You're going to see what happened at Chelsea. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, I mean, th- this is like what you have to do when you have financial fair play issues you have to buy low for guys that are going to eventually be top notch and i don't know i assume you guys watched the inter barcelona game how well they played there was Mm -hmm. very surprising to me right i I wasn't sure inter were quite ready for that stage yet um in the champions league especially at camp new but the way sensi played 
Um, and this was without Lukaku as well, right? Um, Lotaru Martinez, I mean, he stepped up big time. I mean, what a hell of a find he was uh, for Inter. So, I mean, look, I, I don't think Conte loves giving up three goals. But again, Sassuolo is another one of those teams that they struggled with over the past couple of years that they just couldn't beat. But Inter are winning these games now. And I think that's very important to what Roberto was saying. If they want to challenge for the Scudetto, I, these are games that they have to pick up three points from. And they've been doing it. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough game, right? You know, they've, they've kind of been good going forward, Swasolo, and especially with Berardi. I wanted to pick your brains, Roberto. Is he kind of finally fulfilling his potential? It's a weird one because, you know, you look at the promise that he demonstrated, you know, he's still quite young, you would say, if you can even say that at this point, 25 years old. But I just feel that he, he could do such much more. But at the same time, if he was going to do it, then he should have done it years back. I, I think what the opportunity and, and and we know that the talent is there and we've seen that what he's been able to as swallow. But I just feel like that maybe he just needs that big push to a bigger team. And, and and really see what he's capable of doing because I just don't think that if he's going to do that and if he's not doing that, then, you know, you have other players that are coming up that are going to fill his shoes, you know, Immobile or, or players like uh, Belotti as well, Insigne. I mean, you know, you have Moise Keane as well. We saw in, at Everton, you know, we have players that are, are going to take those opportunities if he can't. So... <sighs> It's weird with him. I want to see him succeed because I think he's a good player and I think he has the, the capability of, of being something more. But I just feel like he needs that big push of a new team and a bigger team to really show what he's capable of doing. Yeah, I think it's a weird one. Maybe he makes a move this summer, but I don't know if he steps up in the same way that Stefano Sensi does, for example, Martino. Do you think he could? I don't. I don't think he is a top for club player i think he's more of a, a of like a fiorentina type because we know fiorentina wanted to keep chiesa for another year or so you know with the new owner and obviously like let's be real here it's either going to enter juve at this point <laughs> um he feels he could potentially be a player that fills that void right i mean fiorentina is clearly a step up from sassuolo but it isn't quite that giant leap up to an Inter or a Milan or a Napoli, Juve, whoever. Um, I think that's kind of where he's going to be at or where he could have the best chance of success. Because Roberto's right. If it was going to happen, it would have happened years ago. Mm. Because we all know his coming out party was obviously the game against Milan where he scored four mm-hmm. goals and he got Allegri fired. Um, it just kind of feels like he goes through the hot stretches. And then he goes ghost for almost six seven months and you wonder where the hell did he go like where's this guy that we thought is going to be great and the funny thing is like you don't realize how young he is he's not he's not even in his late 20s yet he's still in his mid 20s um so i think a a move to a fiorentina i i could see something like that happening and or even a lazio uh you know for a chance um yeah i I was thinking maybe maybe even a roma considering their kind of limited limited forward options yeah they're most likely selling 10 players this summer so yeah i could see it (laughs) but i mean i mean you look at his return last year 32 starts 12 goals and assists this season six starts eight goals and assists already so (laughs) i mean it's a step up i maybe he goes on one of those six seven month streaks where he doesn't do anything 
but it, it looks like he could potentially better his best ever return, which was 25 goals and assists in 32 starts, which was back way back in 14-15. So we're talking, you know, when he was really breaking on scene at 19-20. It's going to be interesting to see if he sustains this and if, if Suasolo can, can sustain their kind of attacking output because it's not easy scoring, like, you know, two, three goals a game, is it? If you, Roberto, you can jump in this. Yeah, no, um, I think it's very, I think it's going to be very difficult to see him really lose form if he's continuing this way. But you know, at the same time, he really has to step it up and and really continue his uh, his form in order to really get that big move. Because I just don't think that unless Fasuolo is really going to push for for something very big, I, I think he's up for better better opportunities. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see how he does for the rest of the season and what happens to him in the summer. Uh, move on to uh, La Liga, and I watched a little bit of the Real Sociedad game, and I have to say, Martin Odegaard looks ridiculously good, guys. He looks like mm-hmm. really, 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 really good at football. Um, it's 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 kind of scary to watch at 20. He's their best player by like a distance. Yeah, I, I think what we see here is really kind of a, <laughs> as, as the kids say, like a clap back, I guess, to all the haters <laughs> that have been have been saying bad about him because you know, many people wanted to remember his his bad. I don't want to say it's bad, but just like really lackluster uh, Real Madrid career. Um, you know, the fact that he's now getting this opportunity in another La Liga side where we did see loan spells in in the Netherlands at. Um, at those clubs, and, and now we're trying to really get his form back here at Real Sociedad. He's really flourishing, and I think very well. I think he's been able to really catch up to the Spanish league. And even then, you know, Sociedad are really in a, in a good spot right now. You know, just four points off uh, first place Barcelona. Sorry, three points. The fact that they've just been on this good form, and he's been so influential for this team, that really Sociedad can, can really do something. And I haven't seen a Sociedad this, this since... As good as maybe the Griezmann years when he was on the team before he made that move to Atletico Madrid, they he, he really is capable. And like you said, you know it, it really is scary that he's only twenty, he turned twenty one in December, so he's still he's still very very young. We, we start to remember we we kind of have to put him in as a veteran because he <laughs> just started his career so so young, you know, at, at just such a young age. That we forget that you know, wow, he's only twenty. Yeah, it's like who who knows what could happen to him. But I, I really hope he does flourish at Sociedad. I think he really has that that potential. And I just uh, wouldn't it be great to see him flourish at a team where where Real Madrid and you know, typically they still own him technically. But I think knowing what's been going on at Madrid so far, and you know, maybe some of those players that haven't been flourishing quite well, and, and really seeing a, a change happening at the club with all these young players coming in and, and being spent wisely i think odegaard could really be into the plans for next season yeah i think they've got him on a two-year loan and he said that he'd stay there but you wouldn't be surprised if there's any clause that they can bring him back because i mean you look at a, a guy like hammers rodriguez and you look at a guy like isco they're kind of approaching that time where it might be a last chance to sell them for a good fee and if you were to sell one of those two guys he's the guy that you'd bring back 
that could fill that void because he does look ridiculous. And as you mentioned, Sociedad do look pretty strong with uh, Oyarzabal as well up there and uh, Alexander Ishak, the, the Swedish youngster, and a couple other guys that look like really exciting pieces. Do you reckon he, uh, he'd he be a hit back at Madrid, Martino? It's it's so interesting, right? Because he's, he's like kind of... I, I just remember him in this group where with like the Alan Halilovic... Um, Hachima store youngsters mm. where everyone's like freaking out because they're juggling a ping pong ball on their feet um, and they're like the next great footballer um, and, and you're like okay like well let's see it and we see this happen a lot in modern football where we see these very young talented teenagers make this massive jump they don't necessarily go to an Ajax or like a, a football a footballing club that has a good uh, track record of developing youngsters I mean, Real Madrid, let's face it, there's a lot of hit and misses at a club like that. Um, and the pressure, I mean, I can only imagine what the pressure is like over in Europe um, because it's a little different over here. I think we know like how big Real Madrid are, but to, to I could only imagine what it's really like um, over there. I think he has a shot if he wants to. I don't blame him if he wants to stay another year at Real Sociedad. But then again, Florentino Perez, if that guy wants somebody or wants something, he's going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. Um, We're going to move on to somewhere closer to home for you guys, because I think you just mentioned that kind of European pressure. But um, we're going to talk a little bit about MLS. We like to sprinkle this into the show. And this time there was actually a bit of news, wasn't there, Martino? Zlatan flirting with Europe again, Napoli, Manchester United in the papers. Obviously, he's always going to attract uh, you know, the, the rumours, but he's been saying a few things in these press conferences that might lead us to believe that he could be making a move. I, I love him. He is. I am so happy, uh, Roberto, I'm sure you are too, that everyone mm. over here in America got the experience of what he is like. Um, just the sound bites that he gives uh, journalists um, and, and, you know, just like the media in general on um, what he said. I love how cocky he is. And he's been like dead <laughs> on. He's been very critical of the MLS. Um, but again, this is, this is interesting with the whole links of him potentially coming back to Europe. This happens every time he seems to be a free agent that they link him back to almost every old club that he used to play for. He used to play at United. There's a United link because they have no strikers. Milan, struggling again. Will he go back there? Inter. Inter's really good. Is that an interesting return? Ooh, Napoli. He never played for that big club, and he might play for Ancelotti. Like, it's so funny, all these storylines that they come up with. And truthfully, he's going to go where he feels that Slatan can flourish and get paid the most right because eventually like he said on record oh i'd love to go back to milan (laughs) you know like i i played so well there i mean he talks about it all the time like because that was the first place he went to after the barca debacle but at the end of the day he never came back there because obviously they needed a striker but he went you know to united where they gave him more money or they went he went to the galaxy to america where he could grow his brand and you know make more money there so i don't know i don't really buy um some of that stuff with like napoli i you know something like that i don't see united on the other hand is something i could i could definitely see happening because of you know united just didn't replace lukaku with anybody they just said okay you can go we're not really gonna fill that void there so i, I could see that one actually roberto 
Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with um, with you, Martino. Really, he is a player that I've enjoyed watching him, not just throughout his entire career. Uh, I think here in, in the United States, he really brings that kind of different effect, kind of that that brash, you know, arrogance, but, you know, walking the walk and, and talking the talk at the same time. I think he really has proven that, and I think he's really become a success here. Uh, playing for LA Galaxy, that... You know he's just been coming, being so good at his age, at just 38 years old. You know you don't see him stopping. I mean, yeah, eventually he will have to. But I think, like like fine wine, <laughs> Ibra's really been proving everyone wrong and and demonstrating it at almost every club that he plays for the the, the capability that he is. So it'd be nice to see him back in Europe. It'd be nice and and what a great story that would be for someone to I would assume finish their their swan song career, have a swan song career, and then finish it off. Uh, at one of the big clubs, Napoli, Milan, or even, I mean, this is probably a bit far-fetched, but even playing in Sweden to finish it off, because I've always been a fan of those teams, uh, those players going to the teams where they started as a as a, as a young player and then finish it off there uh, after a long, long career. I think it'd be um, a bittersweet end for a wonderful career for Ibrahimovic. Maybe even Ajax, who knows? It could be interesting to see mm. Um, you added something cheekily to the to show notes just before we started, Martino, that the MLS is going <laughs> to add its 29th team in 2020, Sacramento. I, I want to switch roles here for a second. I know you've been asking the questions. What the hell do you think of the MLS when they add a 29th team? <laughs> like, like, seriously, like the model, like the, what happened to the original MLS in Major League Soccer over here, Roberto, I, I, I think mm. I'm sure you know this. It was yes. over expansion. It was rapid expansion of too many teams, too much, too soon. You've got to have teams that are in cities that don't even have like professional, top professional sports teams. Like, <laughs> like Columbus has the crew still. I understand they've been there since the beginning, but you're adding a Columbus crew. You have like Miami FC. You have to have two LA teams. There's the two New York teams, and now you're adding Sacramento. Like. I, I can't believe this. It doesn't make sense to me, and it's only going to hurt the league because, I like again the no relegation. Like I like what the hell? It like bothers me so much because of the arrogance of Major League Soccer, the arrogance of American soccer and football, whatever you want to call it, is just at an all time high. I I just yeah. don't understand that they think this is going to work. If, yeah, I mean, no, sorry, no, go no, ahead. Go on, go on. No, I, I think I, I could repeat your sentiments there over there, Martino. I think it's really been dip- uh, disproportionate in the terms of how many teams are playing. In 29! The league. 29 is absurd. 29. It's just absurd. That's reaching uh, like Major League Baseball. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. And the, but that's the thing. That's, and obviously, we could have a big conversation about this on, on another pod, but just the fact that it's just been like this. It doesn't help the league. Yes, it is growing in popularity and, and that kind of stuff. We understand that. <laughs> but, yeah, 2019 no bueno. They ask the question all the time. I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent. But they <laughs> no, ask no, the no, question, why don't we win World Cups? Why aren't our leagues like the Premier League? Why aren't we as good as these guys? You wonder why? Because you have 29 teams when you think your league is better, not even better than Mexico. Are we sure they're better than um, – the Finnish League? Like, I'm not even sure of that, right? And I don't even know what the Finnish League is called. Um, it's just that bad that they that they honestly think that they're just able to do this where there's not going to be any repercussions. Because you know how much some of these clubs cost that they're starting? 
Three hundred million American dollars. Wow, that would buy you, you new yep. Newcastle just for the record. It would buy you exactly. Newcastle. Football did you player. Did you guys know how much Fiorentina went for over the summer? Nope. A hundred and fifty no. million euros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is what we're t- so Sacramento that they don't even know what the team is called going to be playing in twenty twenty two cost twice as much as Fiorentina, who's been around since I don't know pre World War Two. I mean, it's just ridiculous and they wonder why they struggle and and you know it's only gonna hurt the league in the long term forget playoffs forget the no relegation stuff like this isn't like the product around the league is gonna be awful because again for people who don't listen or don't watch the mls or aren't familiar with uh, american sports they have a draft and a draft is essentially the worst teams in the league like it would be, uh, you know, Queens Park Rangers if they're doing awful in the Premier League, get first dibs on the best youngsters in England or Europe. Like that, that's what they do to try and even like the playing field. But I, again, it's just I, I don't understand how they think this is going to work. I, it's mind-boggling, and I'm sorry for your name. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. I think that the thing is right. Okay, the UK has like a a national basketball division mm-hmm. we didn't change the rules <laughs> like maybe yeah. it's it's done more in the european way but the the rules are the same and like it's not too far away from the nba model like this model that the mls has employed it's just kind of like it doesn't work and you you, th- you said rapid expansion martina but this team doesn't even come in until 2022 so that guarantees that until then at least, at the very least, there's going to be absolutely no change in the way that the MLS works, which is strange. And if you've got a 29th team, why not 30, right? <laughs> why not gonna, 32? There's going to be gonna, more. They're going to keep going. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is they refuse to put in relegation simply because uh, over here, the big market teams like, you know, a Philadelphia, uh, a New York they the leagues cannot afford them to go down to a lesser league right because that's a highly populated city i'm just using philly as an example like you can't afford to have that happen and that's like that's kind of what their angle is and why they don't want to introduce relegation but at the same time it is stupid because it is it is saying you could be as bad as you want to be you could stay in the league and get as much television rights as you want to and it doesn't even matter if you're producing a good football team and, and and to me that's that's the main issue roberto I, I i'm sure you have more thoughts on it and like why this is i mean why it's a it's a circle it's a constant <laughs> like issue it, it really is kind of perhaps a bubble that i think if, if it continues to follow this route it, it's gonna pop and it, it's we're gonna see some really bad repercussions as well so I, I just think that unless there is change from MLS and U.S. soccer for them to really fix how a system works, and we can, everyone has a has a right opinion on to how they want to fix U.S. soccer and how it should be used uh, to be competitive and, and well well known and serious. But following this route is definitely not the one to to go into, um, especially using teams that really aren't as big as a, as big aren't big markets in a way and and having all this this you know single tier and and no pyramids 
kind of situation just makes it even worse. And also, not say. not every team's going to be like Atlanta, right? Not everyone is going to pack out a huge stadium. It, it, as you said, Martino, it can't be sustainable forever. I've got to move us on, though, because I know you guys could go on forever for this because <laughs> <laughs> it's time for our player profile. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will be the one that's going to be talking about this, and we're kind of going to go a, a different route. I think, uh, as I had said in the at the start of the show, is you know coming from Paraguay descent, I tend to always be more uh, in known of the Paraguayan players, and obviously we know about them. The big one being Miguel Almiron playing at Newcastle. Uh, I was obviously uh, people don't know about this, but I was also a bit more instrumental in that transfer being made back in December and then eventually made it to January that's really gotten me a lot of followers from from Newcastle um, and it really shows a passionate fan base but the one player that we'll talk about is called Ivan Franco the 19 year old attacking midfielder playing in Libertad in Paraguay he is widely regarded as probably the new brightest gem of the of Paraguayan football I mean with the likes of many other players that are coming up but I feel like this is the one that it comes up. What is he? Who is Ivan Franco? You might ask. Well, you know, as I said, nineteen year old, nineteen years old, an attacking midfield that is really more playing as a playmaker, you know, but could work as a as a winger as well. You know, he's he's a short player, very fast, very technical, kind of almost like an Almiron type of player, but I think very short, much more shorter than he is, and maybe even more technical and rapid. You would say. I think he possesses that speed to work. Uh, to create chances, also go for chances as well. I think he's a, a player that I think everyone should be looking out for as that next gem to come out of Paraguay and, and hopefully go into Europe. And speaking of that, you know, he had gotten interest from clubs such as PSG and Borussia Dortmund, to even to name a few. Uh, he had only just made his debut last season as well, guys. You know, he's already scored, I think, what, four goals, and which is the most most. Uh, by any player this season, uh, for any U19 player as well. And he's played, what, 63 games and scored 16 goals as well for Libertad. Has a lot of uh, experience in the Copa Libertadores, which is South American's equivalent of the Champions League. Uh, you know, and I think it's part of that rule that has been really been used in Paraguay. I don't know if people don't really know about this, but the fact that there's a rule in Paraguay that, that shows that all the 12 first division teams... Uh, have to have at least one player under the age of 19 play at least one minute of first team football. It doesn't matter what team it is, who they come, where they come from, what type of competition it is. They have to have at least one player that is under the age of 19 to play in a league game for at least one minute. So knowing <laughs> what Paraguay is like for its use of of youth, and you know it's a it's a relatively simple league of 12 teams. And, and, and two champions per per year, you know the Apertura and Clausura, which we see in teams in countries like Mexico, although they will change it to a uh, to a playoff system, which seems a bit ridiculous, you would say, because you know there's only 12 teams, and when eight of the 12 go into this next round, it, it, it seems a bit illogical in a way, but that could be saved for another time, but. Yeah, Ivan Franco, I think, is the one to, to really look out for. He just made his national team debut for Paraguay in, a, in these friendlies against Japan, the first player born in the 2000s to make his debut for the national team. And so that's generally it. I think he's generally a player to watch out for. It's kind of <laughs> kind of unmistakable as well. If you if you have gone on, if you go on Google to search the player up, he has a a big, really flashy hairdo. I would say. I think it's <laughs> it's one to. <laughs> 
to hopefully not make him uh, unmistakable. Really, kind of that. Um, it's like a Jerry curl in a way. That kind of type of hair. So he really is the player to look out for, and I think what he's been capable of doing. I think we will see his name be flourished uh, somewhere in Europe, hopefully, because you know Paraguay hasn't really had a a world beater or like one name that really stands out. I mean, I mean, Almiron is that type of player, I guess, right now. But hopefully that with Franco's experience and what he's been able to achieve at Libertad, that maybe he's the next one to look out for. What kind of player is he like? And, and where could you, do you see his first step up being to, to a team like PSG? Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I think the Dortmund one seems a bit more relatively... Logical in a way, because I feel like, you know, he's he's in a team that is really known for using its youth. And I think that with the players such as, you know, Marco Royce, you know, reaching that kind of age, he's at 30, uh, and, and other players coming up as well. I, I think we see him in that kind of type of team where he could really flourish as, as kind of that playmaker, you would say. I think... I think a team fit for, I think a, a league fit for him probably would probably have to be in La Liga, I would say. I just feel that maybe the style is, is very similar to what we see in Paraguay. I think in the in the Premier League, I think his small stature won't be good enough for him to to manage it there because he could get fouled easily as well. I, I don't see him in that type of league, but maybe even more technically like a Serie A or a, or a La Liga, which typically Paraguayan players typically do well. Uh, in in those type of leagues, I I think I see him there. I think I think I see them following the roots of being a, a player that is known for his ability and quickness of thought of play as a playmaker in that number ten role. I think playing in a side in Italy or Spain would be best suited for for a player like Franco. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. That was a really, really awesome profile. Uh, better than what me and Martina could have done, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, man. Where can people find out more about you, Roberto? Yeah, absolutely. So you could follow me on Twitter, as I had said. You could follow me at Roberto Rojas 97 Obviously, what I typically talk about is obviously European football, South American football. Uh, and not just that as well. I mean, you know, North American football as well. And sports as well, you know, obviously baseball, basketball, football, American football, NFL, other things as well. I mean, you know, <laughs> anything that I guess interests a, a typical 21-year-old American based in Connecticut. I mean, that's something that I'd like to do. And I like to be more simple. I like to reach out to people, I like to talk to them about anything. And I try not to be as kind of a person that gives too many hot takes or ridiculous claims as we kind of see on Twitter. No, none of that negativity that we probably see some as well. I just try to be positive and just try to be as truthful as I can be and in whatever it be, maybe. So, yeah, just follow me there. Obviously, check out my podcast, Lone Football. Uh, we have a show every Monday. And, yeah, that's, that's generally it, man. That's generally what I get, uh, where people can find me awesome man yeah definitely check out his twitter and check out his podcast as well uh martino where can people find out more about you yeah you just find me on twitter as well at martino puccio very similar to roberto in terms of what i talk about on there in terms of all the sports um i'm sure well, south, south american football as well uh, and not so much south american <laughs> football barring that but there's a lot of american <laughs> sports on there i'm sure you've been confused by a lot of it pet <laughs> um, i'll tell you what i mean the nba season starts soon that's probably yes. the one that's my bag apart from okay in, well, they, in the u.s there you go. i'm a huge celtics fan and i'm uh oh there we go let's yes, go okay i already you know <laughs> there we go we're gonna get on my fine 
if, if just because of that, I will teach you the, everything about South American football. That yeah, way, fine. You, I have a lot you of could return friends um, as well over here back at home. Um, so I know mm. I know a little bit about them. Also, Gustavo Gomez, by the way, play for oh, yeah, play for me. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you just follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. There, obviously, check out Soccer Showdown. That's with Matt all the time. Um, so yeah. Awesome, man. Well, you can follow me at Pet Berisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. Nice and simple. I'll probably tweet a little bit about the NBA when it starts in a week or so, but mostly talking about how much I hate Arsenal. Um, Not too many hot takes. I like to call people (laughs) generational players every now and again, and that seems to wind people up. Or, uh, yeah, no, just generally when I I talk some some stupid stuff, maybe... (laughs) you know you guys can like it and stuff but yeah you can follow us at state of play pods uh, if you want to email us about anything state of play pod at gmail.com if you want to collaborate or whatever that's where you can find us thank you guys very much for watching and watching listening listening and doing whatever you're doing have a great day <laughs>